0: Glad that you could join me here for the uh, longer version of the Pentecost morning service uh, on interruptions. And I don't know if you like being interrupted, I doubt whether you probably do. My life's been pretty uh, regulated, really. I mean, I was a school teacher for uh, nearly 40 years, and during that time, most of my life was controlled by bells. A bell told me to do this, and a bell told me to stop doing that. Very regulated. The only sort of exciting things are when a naughty student led off the fire alarm uh, or the time when uh, a neighbour reported that their python named Monty had escaped and could be anywhere in the vicinity. And that kind of caused a bit of panic amongst most of the girls. But interruptions will come. That's what life is all about. Life is never quite plain sailing. And have you ever been told to expect something? but have been surprised when it actually arrived. I'm not talking about a bus. This whole pandemic pandemic thing is a good example because scientists have been warning us that something like this would happen someday. But when it did, none of us expected what would actually happen. We were personally unprepared and our government had never prepared for what might happen. How could they? Similarly, I was asked to prepare a message for today about a month ago. Now in the back of my mind I knew that today was Pentecost Sunday because every year on Pentecost Sunday I organise something called the party in the square where all the churches get together and we have a big um, party with a service and free barbecues and all things like that and uh, so I did that and I always know it's Pentecost because I was going to do one today uh, but I just completely forgot so that when I was asked to do the message i plan something else but then someone reminded me it was pentecost and i thought how could we talk about the, not talk about the holy spirit on pentecost sunday if we call ourselves a pentecostal or a charismatic church or whatever happens to the label you happen to want to give us then pentecost we have to talk about the holy spirit now jesus had told the 12 his disciples that he was going to die on a cross but they never expected it to happen He told them that he would rise again, but they were amazed when he did. One of his last commands to them before he ascended back to heaven was that they were to wait in Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit came. Jesus had been telling them about the Holy Spirit since the start of his ministry. Uh, You'll remember John the Baptist who came as a pre-runner of Jesus to prepare the way for him. He said, there's one coming after me, who the, the, the sandals of whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He says he's the one that's going to baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you remember Nicodemus who came to see Jesus at night secretly one day? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot see heaven. And and then Jesus promised a comforter that would always be with them. So Jesus prepared them. He told them about the Holy Spirit, and then he said to them, after he going going up to heaven, he said that they had to wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them, so they waited, not knowing what would happen. Now, sometimes our lack of preparation is because we don't know what is going to happen. I mean, have you ever had a surprise birthday party? How could you prepare for it? It destroys all the surprise anyway if you do sometimes just the magnitude of the event is beyond our comprehension like this pandemic in a sense so it was for the disciples they knew something was going to happen but they didn't know when and they didn't know what was going to happen it was beyond their imagination but they'd learned to trust jesus that if he promised something was going to happen then it would even if they had no comprehension of what it would mean and they got it wrong so often before and they didn't want to get it wrong again, so this morning, Pentecost Sunday, the day when we recall the event of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the church two thousand years ago, I want to remind you that the promise of Jesus that you can and should and must be filled with the Holy Spirit is for you. It's be the biggest interruption in your life. So I've got three questions for you today that you need to answer if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there are some of you today who know, you can, look, you can look back and you can think of an exact time and place when you knew that you received the Holy Spirit. I can remember the time really, really clearly when a friend of mine uh, was, uh, was in his house and I went to visit him. And he just said to me, would you like to know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said, yes. And so he and his friend prayed with me. They prayed for, me for over half an hour before finally uh, I, I, I knew, I, I exploded with joy. And I knew that I'd been filled. But there are some of you watching today who perhaps have asked to be filled, but still haven't got no assurance that the promise has been fulfilled in you. And I wanted to take you to a couple of things that may hopefully help. So the first thing is, and there are three things here, and they all begin with the letter O. Have you been obedient? Jesus told them to wait, so they waited. Now, Jesus had been with them for 40 days since, uh, since Easter. And, uh, and he disappeared up into heaven on the day of the ascension, 40 days later. And, and they waited for 10 days after that before the Spirit came. Couldn't you imagine that morning, they, they, every morning, they, they woke up thinking, will it be today? And at night, they must have been a little bit deflated. Nothing happened today. But they were being obedient to what they'd been told. I remember a guy at university, a guy called Dave. I remember him coming to us one day saying, I really, really want to be filled. But what we didn't know at the time was that he was actually holding on to something in his life that he knew was wrong. And as a result, though we prayed, nothing happened, nothing changed. Now, you don't have to be perfect before Jesus fills you. Otherwise, none of us would ever qualify. When we are filled, the spirit reveals all sorts of things that we were unaware of before and cleans us up because he is a holy spirit and he won't settle for anything less than holiness in us. But if we say, in effect, I can't and I won't let this thing go, then we're shutting the door to Jesus and he cannot enter by his Spirit. We must be obedient and want the Spirit more than anything else. And Now, sometimes we need the Spirit's presence to finally break what we cannot deal with ourselves. But are we willing to let everything go that acts as a barrier to the presence of God in our lives? The rewards are amazing. Many of you have read of Jackie Pullinger. She went to work in Hong Kong uh, and she worked among some of the most difficult uh, drug addicts uh, that you could imagine. People who were completely enslaved to their habit. And uh, she told many of these people about Jesus and what he could do for them. And uh, what she always encouraged them as soon as they were ready to make a decision for Jesus She encouraged them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to come in them. And as soon as they did, they were delivered from their addiction immediately, something that willpower alone could not do. In the early days of the church, crowds would gather to hear and see the apostles and the Jewish crowd, the Sanhedrin, became jealous of their success. They had them arrested and put in jail. But overnight, the angel of the Lord opened the doors and brought them out. They immediately went back to the temple and began teaching the people. The Sanhedrin got more angry and brought them in to be questioned by the high priest. Peter replied that they must obey God rather than man. And that the Holy Spirit was given by God to those who obey him. You might remember the uh, the first martyr of the church, Stephen. And he again was brought before the Sanhedrin and he had to give his defence as to what he was doing and why he was doing it. And again he said the same thing. He said right at the end, he said to the high priest, he said, "You, you and your fathers, you always resisted the Holy Spirit. You didn't obey him. Now it's not that God gives the Holy Spirit as a reward for good behaviour like me giving stars to my grandchildren when, and when they get enough they get some sweets. But it's just an obvious thing. If you are being disobedient you are shutting yourself off from being able to receive. So today let us echo the prayer at the end of Psalm 139. Search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And if God brings anything to your mind, then just say to him, Lord, I don't want this. Lord, help me, remove it from me. And by his Holy Spirit, he will help you to become an overcomer in that area. So the first thing we need to do is we need to obey. We need to ask God what he wants us to do and to do it. the second thing that we need to do, beginning with O, is that are we open? You know, we can be afraid of what being filled with the Spirit might involve, what might happen to us. Those disciples on that first day of Pentecost experienced tongues of fire resting on each one of them and a rushing sound like like a mighty wind filling the house. And sometimes we can say, Lord, I don't want this or that to happen to me. And we clam up, preventing the spirit from flowing through us. We can be afraid of embarrassing ourselves or scared of something like speaking in tongues. Now, of course, there can be a natural apprehension of what we might experience. Certainly, many of us have wondered what it would be like to speak in tongues. But now that we've experienced the gift, it's the most natural thing in the world. I always remember years ago, a lady I knew called Kay. She was a rather traditional lady, came from a C of E background. Hat and all. She resisted being filled for ages because she thought that tongues were so undignified. But one day her desire overcame her dignity and she spoke in tongues and was filled with joy. She rang the pastor up, she's saying, Pastor, how do I stop speaking in tongues? I just can't. You know, some people are worried that when that whether they will receive something else and not the spirit. But when Jesus talked about the fact that we must ask and then we will receive, reminded his hearers that even you fathers, and he called them, he was very blunt, Jesus was, he said, even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now there's nothing to be afraid about in seeking to be filled with the Spirit. You have a loving heavenly father who only gives good gifts. Now, some of the gifts that he gives are unusual, such like speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues or, or, or miracles or things like that. But when we are filled, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we begin to experience spiritual things. You know, it's great to be able to use our minds as a Christian. God wants every part of us involved in his service, but God is Spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Just imagine what it would be like if you gave a gift to someone and they refused to open it. Or they opened it and said, well, don't like that. Don't refuse to accept the good gifts that God wants to give you. They really are amazing and they're filled with his love. And then the third O. Are you on side not the best alliteration but I can't think of a better one. There was a unity about the early church that enabled God's spirit to flow through them all. They were united in three ways. They were one, they were united in meeting. On the day that the spirit came it is said that they were all together in one place. You don't read of anyone missing out. Do you remember Thomas? Do you remember on the night that Jesus came and showed himself to the disciples after the Uh, resurrection. Uh, Thomas wasn't there and he spent a whole week uh, sort of basically wondering what these crazy disciples thought they'd seen. Do you know it's a lovely thing that when uh, in the first chapter of the book of Acts it lists all the disciples who were waiting and Thomas was mentioned amongst them. He was going to be there when the Holy Spirit came. Now, if being filled with the Spirit is not really important to you, then you won't be be there when he comes. You know, I'm not advocating that you go to every meeting that's going on in church. Jesus didn't say, I've come to bring you meetings and meetings more abundantly. He, He said, I've come to give you life and life hits all its fullness. But Psalm 133 promises blessings when the brothers live together in unity. You know it's great to have hobbies and interests but if they're more important to you than being together with your brothers and sisters you won't be there when the spirit comes. You know as a church leadership we have to be very careful not to ask everyone to do too many things together and then complain if everyone doesn't show up but if we are not together at regular intervals with one mind and purpose then we won't be there when the spirit comes. It's not easy in these times of lockdown to gather and we don't know how long it will be before we can gather as a full church again. But take every opportunity that you can to gather online or in your back garden and keep stoking up the spirits fire in one another. And please don't be like those for whom nothing's ever good enough. The songs are too loud or not loud enough. The sermon is too long or the sermon's too short. There are numerous reasons that will stop us meeting together, but if we meet together, we run cold. Many of you would have heard the illustration of the uh, disciple who thought that he would—he'd uh, uh, been losing his way rather—and he went to see a a wiser, older Christian, and this uh, man uh, listened to him as he said that he'd just lost his his fire. And there was a, a real coal fire there in front of them and the wiser older Christian said nothing in reply but just went to the grate and he pulled out one single coal out of the fire glowing red hot and he put it on the hearth and very, very soon that coal went dull. And then he took the coal again and he put it back in the fire and very, very soon it was glowing red hot. If we don't meet with each other If we don't gather together, the Spirit's fire so easily goes out. Then there were one in ministry. When they were filled with the Spirit, they were soon out on the streets together telling everyone the good news about Jesus. Do you know, being filled with the Spirit is not primarily about you. Can I say that again? Being filled with the Spirit is not primarily about you. When Jesus told his disciples to wait, he told them that they would receive power and would be his witnesses throughout the world. You don't receive the Spirit so that you can have warm feelings or inside or you can experience heavenly laughter or speaking in tongues or anything. That's not why you receive the Holy Spirit. These things may happen. And God knows how much our empty hearts need to be filled with something good. But you are filled to be a witness. You are filled so that others may be filled. You know, if you've been listening to all the coronavirus broadcasts, you will have heard this thing called the R number. The R number is how many people will be infected by one infected person and it it turns out that the the natural uh, number for a coronavirus is around about three so if I have it I will likely infect three people and those three people will each likely infect three people more so that's nine people infected and very soon the numbers grow exponentially and the purpose of social distancing is that we cut that three down to less than one so that eventually the Uh, the the coronavirus will not have anyone to be transmitted to and it's the same thing I wonder what your spiritual R number is how many people have you infected with the Holy Spirit who is inside you so that's really really important you know some people will be immune to our message some will receive it and have no symptoms at all (laughs) But we must give away what we have. So it's not fill me with your spirit, Lord, and leave me alone. It's fill me so that I can be a better, stronger, sharper witness for you. You know how much we need the gifts of the spirit in our evangelism. The early church experienced this all the time. They saw miraculous healings and crowds were drawn to hear the gospel. They had dreams and visions to lead them as to where they should or shouldn't go to preach. They experienced words of knowledge that showed up impostors for who they really were. They were able to cast out evil spirits in the name of Jesus. You know, we don't need better advertising today, although there's no excuse for doing it badly. We need signs and wonders done in Jesus' name. We don't need better worship songs, although we don't have to keep singing the old ones to death. We need to worship in spirit and in truth with what we have. We don't need more cultured sermons that explain the Greek meaning more accurately, although there's no excuse for sloppy preparation. We need words spoken in the power of the Spirit. We must be one in ministry, functioning as the body of Christ, with everyone playing their part, so that we are as effective in reaching as many people as we can. For in Jesus... Saying that we must be witnesses, he is showing that seeing as many people saved as possible it is his number one priority. And finally, they were one in mission. Jesus commanded them to go into all the world to preach the gospel, starting in Jerusalem, then spreading out to the ends of the earth. And that is what they did. But it was costly. Of the eleven remaining disciples, ten of them gave their lives for the message and the other was exiled. They experience persecution and opposition. You know, so often I've heard preachers present the gospel and they frame it in terms of what it will do for us, how it will give us love and joy and peace. And it does. But it also gives us great challenges as we follow wherever Jesus leads us. And sometimes that message is never said. His life was not one free from danger, difficulties or pain. And he doesn't promise that ours will be either. The issue is not whether we have a nice house, a nice job and a nice car. We are strangers and pilgrims in this world and we cannot take our possessions with us. Do you remember the young man who came rushing up to Jesus and he said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied that foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know I see him rushing up to Jesus full of enthusiasm he'd probably seen the healings maybe he was in the crowd that were fed with five loaves maybe he'd been at the wedding where Jesus turned water into wine he probably thought that Jesus would soon be crowned king of Israel and he would be part of the triumphal procession but Jesus had to show him that there was another side to it that this man had no idea about kings live in palaces but my kingdom is different as for me I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Now will you follow me? For we're in a battle, a battle that Jesus fought and it cost him his life and eventually the lives of all these close disciples. It was Winston Churchill during the war who said, I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, tears and sweat. If it cost the lives of millions of young men to defeat the evil of the Nazis... It has also cost the lives of many more millions who have laid down their lives in following the banner of the Lord Jesus. Following Jesus is the most amazing adventure, one where you never know what a new day will bring, but it won't be achieved from the comfort of your armchair. When you're filled with the Spirit, you must follow Jesus, and where he goes, you go, and Jesus was notorious for going to some uncomfortable places. So if you're filled with his spirit today, I cannot say if you will have an easy life or a hard one. A life free from trouble or a life full of danger. I cannot say if it will be in a good job and a nice home. Or a life serving others in the slums of Calcutta, as Mother Teresa did. But what I can say is he will never leave you or forsake you. That the presence of the Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go. That you will experience love and joy that will blow your mind but as the apostle paul said with it you get tribulations so you're hungry to be filled today i remember though back to those days when i was seeking the holy spirit someone said to me you know phil you can be filled with the holy spirit and i thought yes that's what i want and i remember going and kneeling down by my bedside that very night and i said lord fill me with your holy spirit and i didn't know the bible then like i know the bible now but i i been a choir boy at, at church and something must somehow have seeped into my thick skull because i remembered a verse that said ask and you shall receive and i said to god lord i've asked therefore i must have received And I went on in the strength of that. It wasn't until a few months later that I had that amazing experience of being absolutely overwhelmingly filled. But I was filled that day when I asked. I I received that day. So are you hungry to be filled today? This is no panacea that you take to become immune to the world and all of its problems. It's a call to get involved with the messiness in this world and have the power to help with cleaning it up. So are you obedient? Are there things that God has told you, told you that must go? Things that you're holding on to? Let them go. They're not worth holding on to. Are there things you say, God, I'll never do that? I won't ever do this. Let go. It's not worth holding on to. Are you open today? Are, you, are there fears and worries that are holding you back? Tell God now. He understands. And He will help you overcome them if you are willing. But are you on side? Yearning to be one in meeting and in ministry and in mission. I want to pray for you today that God's Holy Spirit will fill you. Will you join with me? Just close your eyes. And if you're if you comfortable with it, just raise a hand to God. A kind of a hand, of, like a hand of, 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 of saying, Lord, I submit, I, I give in. And will you pray this prayer with me? Lord, I'm hungry to be filled with your spirit. Lord, I right now, I obey the things you've told me. And if there's anything right now that you know that has been a barrier between you and God because of what's in your life, then confess it to God right now. Ask his forgiveness. And Lord, I am I, as far as I know, Lord, I'm open to receive whatever you want to give me. Lord, I'm not going to be afraid of the good gifts that you want to give. And Lord, I want to be on side, on with your mission, on with everything that you want me to do, on for my part to play. So, Lord, I pray right now, fill me with your spirit, Lord. And just repeat that phrase over to the Lord a few times. Fill me with your spirit. 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 spirit. And believe that what you've asked for, he has done and that very soon you will have the absolute evidence in your life that your prayer has been answered. Thank you, Lord. Amen.